In a world of podcasts about movies, sci-fi, TV, and podcasts about sci-fi, TV, and movies, two women chose to add their voices to the fray. Two sisters. One woman was willing to go to any length to explain away plot holes and bad pacing. I don't think, first of all, much like the entirety of this film, I don't think we're supposed to ask a lot of questions. The other, though, had no such sympathies. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. Together, they joined forces to highlight the good, the bad, and the truly bizarre. This is See You Next Week in Space. Well, we had a really excellent production call today, um, (laughs) which I will not be sharing with the public, um, but uh, it's always nice to have a catch up and jaw about life before we jaw about weird science fiction things. Um, Mm -hmm. But so the question I was thinking about to start us off this week is um, at this point, it is our sesquicentennial 150th episode buppity ba buppity bop bop that's wild <laughs> yes i know it's what this, it is nuts um and we've so we've seen a lot of things we've been a lot of places oh, um we've, seen so we've much been stuff. up in ships we've been on alien planets we've been to different versions of earth um we've even been inside of the earth um (laughs) and one of the things that i was noticing about today's movie despite all of that time spent in all of these places i feel like i don't get a good understanding of what food in the future is supposed to be like i was thinking about it a lot with watching this movie too (laughs) I, I do get what it's supposed to be. It's not supposed to be fun anymore. That's the vibe that I've gotten. Like yeah. food, you've, they take the fun out of food. I mean, and that too. In a lot of cases. Yeah, I guess, yeah, in dystopian understandings of the future, food is bad because it's like a paste or a block or a chip. Yeah, and it's just... Right, and it's, like, government issue, like, because we're all poor, the whole thing. So that's, I guess that's, like, very, that is this movie. But I do actually, I'm trying to remember, I think maybe it's something like Star Trek or things of the like, where they did have some cool features, like, where you could get a cheeseburger out of, like, a vending machine, things <laughs> like that. Or, you know, or, like, it would yes. just, like, materialize, things yeah. like that. Yeah, well, that's, So like, that I like. If that yeah. were the case, that I would like. <laughs> that's the replicator technology of Star Trek, and I love that technology. Um, and, like, so that's... That technology is great because technically you can set it up so that the rec- replicator in your home, like, you can set it so it's, like... Nope, I'm not giving you that chocolate ice cream. Like, I'm only giving you, like, Ooh. nutritionally acceptable items. Ooh, I don't think I like that. Can you unset it to that? Can yes, you set you it can. to that only at certain times? Yes, you absolutely can do that mm. as well. 
Um, I feel like I would unsaid it every single time I said it that way. <laughs> It'd be like every morning like, you wake up and you're like, yes, only yeah. let me have like these like nutritional yeah. value things. And then by like halfway through the afternoon, you're like, I really, really Fuck that. can't do this. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly what I happened, can't I have a machine, um, a lifeless machine dictating to me what I can and cannot have as a food item. Basically like, just like food shaming me. Yes. Yeah. No. So that technology I'm into, but almost every other food scenario in the future seems bleak because yeah. the thing the thing about food as it is today and maybe not for everybody's life, but it's it's such a social thing as well. So yeah. when you cut that out of it, um, you know, so much of like <laughs> so much of our culture, I feel like, is going out to dinner, going out to drinks, going out yeah. for meals with yeah. people, and yeah, yeah. you know, you cut that out, and really, life does get dull. Like, yeah. Yeah. And it seems like it freaking is in most well, of these, especially dystopian ones. I know. And I mean, life, let's face it. I think if you're really living life at its best, it's going to be a lot of dullness anyway. Like, um, well, that's true. Because what you really want in life is just to like be plugging along without too much disruption. Like, get up, go to work. Hopefully, the job is something that you can pretty much find some satisfaction from. Okay, fine. Mm-hmm. And then you like maybe you're someone who wants to have a partner. Maybe dull. Like, maybe yeah. Maybe dull's the wrong word because I'm. You're right. I think life is dull <laughs> it, <laughs> by design like, if and by nature. If it's going the best it could possibly be going, it is dull and boring. <laughs> yes, you're right. Okay, so uh, the word. Okay, the better word is, or the better uh, thing is, you take away. Um. It becomes joyless, I guess, yes. is more to the yes. point. Like, yeah, there's sure. no enjoyment whatsoever. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that's for sure. We definitely have seen, at this point, multiple different versions of the future has lost all the elements that make existence pleasant. Um Yes. Uh, and I have so many questions about this movie, too, I'll be honest, but <laughs> I guess we'll get to it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, then, okay, so I think that's a good transition. Hello, everyone. Welcome to See You Next Week in Space, our 150th episode. You are here with me, Sarah Walsh, and my co-host and sister, Amy Walsh. And Amy, what are we talking about this week? Well, it's something that I've heard of, which was which might be shocking to you. I don't know. But I thought <laughs> this was super famous. I, I well, is that is not? why I chose it because I felt like it was um, a classic that some people like. I, but I'll tell you why I know of it, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you a reveal later of okay. why I know of this movie and the fact that I knew the whole damn reveal of the movie the entire time. Anyway. Yes. Um, I think I so, think when you give the reveal, I think I know what the reveal is. So, like, let's just... I'm sure you do. So mark yeah. down I'll li- reveal listeners. I'll you reveal if you know the reveal of the yes. reveal. <laughs> yeah. So, listeners, just be m- marking down now, Sarah was right, and mark it down at 655 
Sarah was right. <laughs> and then yep. we'll move on. We can all just move on with our I'm lives. I'm sure you probably, I'm sure you probably are. Um, so we are watching Soylent Green yep. from 1973. Indeed. Um, now, in fairness, oh, well, first I'll read the description and then I'll say why I chose this movie. So the IMDb description okay. is... A nightmarish futuristic fantasy, I don't know what the fantasy is about, but um, about the yeah. controlling power of big corporations and an innocent cop who stumbles on the truth. That's, hmm. I think that probably describes this movie more or less. Um, yeah. But, so I chose this movie. I'm not so sure how innocent he is. But I, yeah, innocent is a weird choice. I would have just said a cop who yeah. stumbles on the truth. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah. It's our 150th episode, which means we have been doing this <laughs> for a long time. Um, but three I, years, Over I know, years. I know. Um, Yikes! Congratulations! Yay! <laughs> um, well, we can maybe at the end do some reflecting on like we've done this for three years. What do we get? What have we gotten from it? We can save that till the end. Oh God! Okay, um, but. So I wanted to pick something that I kind of considered to be in the realm of a classic um, mm-hmm. that uh, would kind of be a fun opportunity to, to kind of engage with some of the traditional tropes of science fiction, which I think we did get out of this movie. Um, mm-hmm. But one of the other issues, as you know, is like... Classes began this week, and so my normal schedule for when I was going to watch things got really disrupted. And so by the time I was, like, settling in to decide the movie, it was, like, 9 p.m. on a Thursday evening. And I was like, oh, no. (laughs) And quite a lot of the other movies I was, like, considering possibly for this week were long over two hours. Yeah. And Oh, thank goodness gracious. <laughs> and I was like, I just can't do this to myself this week. Yeah. Like, I just don't have it in me. And this was like, what, like 97 minutes or something? And yeah. So I was like, I that's okay. Like, I can, I'll be yes. awake for that. Like, so I'll do that. Yeah. Um, but it's tough. Like, the really big hitter fancy sci-fi movies which we'll get to like we'll do them at some point but um oh god they're long they're really effing I know. long well you know what we have we've talked about this and we i won't belabor it but we have a self-importance problem <laughs> <laughs> in in most genres of film but i would say there is maybe per- a particular one in the sci-fi realm where people really want their stories to be long yeah, well, and it's like, or it's an epic of some sort or another, and so you're like, okay. I can't. Um, but, God, I can't do it. But I guess what I would say. Just make a second movie. Just make a 90, just make, you know what, like Lord of the Rings. Okay, that's not technically sci-fi, but whatever. No. Lord of the Rings, they're each three hours, right? Yeah. Chop them in half, make six. You got six <laughs> whole movies. <laughs> And boom, it's the same amount. It's the same amount of content. Just right. split it up into separate movies. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with that, but I will say this: like a lot of the movies that I was considering for this week that were this like over two hours, like situation, bullshit. They were made in the context where there were other movies that were eighty-eight minutes. You know, like 
Now, mm. part of the reason why now I get so irritated by a two-hour-plus movie is because seemingly every movie is two-hour-plus. Like, yes, it's... Yes, yes. And so... That is, I mean, that's what I'm saying. We have a self-importance <laughs> problem. <laughs> but like, so your bullshit doesn't need to be two hours. No, it doesn't. And I think really any film story can be accomplished in, an, in 120 minutes max. But... Uh, um, yes. But I was, like, I'm I say, just saying... I say 95, but whatever. I mean, that's the difference between you and me, and that's fair. But, like, I just <laughs> feel like the, in the past, I could do a two-hour, 15-minute Close Encounters of the Third Kind because there was also Weekend at Bernie's that was 89 minutes. You know, like... <laughs> and and so the, there was the full range of stuff you could get. Yeah. Whereas now, literally, yeah. no matter what genre, no matter what thing... It's like two hours. You got to carve you're, out you're two gonna, hours. You're yeah. going to be there for two hours. Like, um, I hate it. And it's a bummer. Now, in terms of Soylent Green, uh, comes out in 1973 um, and is loosely based on the 1966 science fiction novel Make Room, Make Room by Harry Harrison. Um, hmm. Now, Soylent, any, do you want to... What did you think Soylent Green was before this movie? Well, I, uh, oh, before this movie, like, I don't think I thought anything, like, I never thought about that word and why it was that. Yeah. I see what you've written here. Yeah. But I, I never, even during the movie, I don't think I stopped to be like, Soylent, why is, like, what the hell? Is that word? Because they made it sound like that was the corporation name, so I was right. just like, okay, that's the name of. It's that's both. Just like, it's like a brand name. It's like the corporation name as well as the product itself. Yeah, that's um, weird. Which I guess what would be the equivalent? Like the Kleenex company, the bread company, the bread <laughs> company. <laughs> I feel like there's got to be a company called the Bread Company. I'm sure there is. I think I I bet you they make a really good soup in a bread bowl. For sure. Like, oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I'm sorry I made you think sounds I'm so good right rainbow. now. <laughs> oh, man, that sounds so good. Uh. Uh, well, in this world, uh, Soylent, and this is um, from the book, actually, from the story. Uh, Soylent is mm. meant to be a combination of soy and lentil. Um, and that, that in, in the future... That's what people are going to be eating is this like combination soy lentil steak. Um, and I've not, hmm. I never read Make Room, Make Room, but I guess it's like a bit different than how the movie has approached this material. So, like, mm -hmm. um, so Soylent, like these Soylent steaks, it's still about like overcrowding and pollution and the, the kind of yeah. environmental devastation and having overpopulation so that people can only eat these soylent steaks um but it's not i don't know i guess that's kind of if we're talking about food of the future in the book soylent is like food paste maybe yeah yeah, um, yeah ew whereas soylent green we're not gonna reveal the reveal of the reveal yet but uh, is yeah but it different. is but it is like 
Right, but it's kind of like blocks of things. Yeah, generally. well, because, yeah, like, when they show us, because they also show us, like, so there's Soylent Green, there's Soylent Red, and there's Soylent Yellow, at least. And when they show these items, they look like they're little, like, square, like, crackers. Chocolate almost, bars. Are, almost. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, chocolate yeah. bar is a better visual to picture. Like, when you get, like, when you get, like, a fancy Like a little Giardelli. Cho- yeah, like a yeah. fancy chocolate. It's like yeah, one yeah, of those yeah. squares kind of thing. But it probably tastes like ass. Like, I mean, it looks like well, it tastes bad to me. I don't me. even, I don't, like, what's unclear to me is, like, you get these, you get your rations of your various Soylent colors, and, like. But they also had, like, at that little market, they also had, like, Soylent buns, yes, I think they called they, them. And they were, yes. like, bread. They looked like bread, but they were, like, that blue looked and okay. orange. Like, yeah. That maybe would be okay. I I, I don't know. have a real understanding of like how you're meant to consume the Soylent chips. Like, do you just bite yeah. into them, well, or do they? Do you have to like soften them, them in something? Mm. Yeah, I'm not sure. Ick. Doesn't sound good. I don't know. Um, no. In terms of so so we were both under the impression that this movie was like quite famous or it was something, but I'm not yeah. totally sure that it is. Um, because oh. it's got a very light internet presence, like, re- and... Really? That's yeah, surprising. Yeah, and unlike, I mean, because a lot of the things, especially the older stuff that we cover, is often like, oh, they're retooling this now, and there's going to be a new one coming out, you know, or something. Yeah. Um, this does not seem to be making any sort of a That comeback. I'm not fully surprised about. Um... <laughs> yeah. That I'm not fully... But they've done versions of this type. I mean, it's not the yes. same story, but, like, yeah. we, there's pl- we, we get it. The dystopian future, like, I will say, anybody who's writing a movie right now, the dystopian future, like, we get it. Yeah, like, let's start imagining something better because we've spent, like, the last yeah. 50 years, like, since this movie came out in 73, 50 years ago. Um, yeah. We've spent the last 50 years plus... Being like, look at how terrible 2022 is going to be. This movie is set in 2022 yeah. as well. Um, I know. That was scary. Because uh, I was trying to remember. I was like, there's some other movies we've watched where 2022 is like the year. Yeah. Like, I forget No wonder it was all so terrible. Um, yeah. But like, it's like, now please start talking about the good future we're going to have. Can we talk about the good yeah, future? Yeah, we've seen it. Um, yeah, we've just, we've, so, we've seen it. Because so, like. And I'm going to. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I'm like that girl, Jessica, who's on How Did This Get Made sometimes. Like, I don't need any more dumpster fire or, like, trash can fire movies. Like, we get it. (laughs) Yeah. Like, that's the whole thing is, like, maybe 2023 has been going the way it's been going. And maybe the past few years have been going the way they've been going because we have at least 50-plus years of material kind of, like, self-fulfilling prophecy sort of circumstance. And so I'm like, so can we – Now we're going to pivot – and just start doing, like, yep. the future looks pretty good, and we're going to figure out the climate crisis and, like, all this stuff, so that then that can happen. Like, I need us Please. to get there. <laughs> Please. Please. Or at least entertain us in the meantime with yeah. something far less depressing. Yeah. So, needless to say, this movie is not quite as, um, I don't know, it's it's not quite the thing I thought it was, I suppose, in terms of, like, uh, where it stands in the canon of science fiction movies. And I think also this is to do with the fact that, like, even at the time, it got a very mixed response. Like, people were like, yeah, I Mm -hmm. guess it's all right. You know, like, 
There was yeah, and I, and I guess that's how I feel as well. It's like there's nothing like wrong with this movie, um, but I I wasn't like oh this is super duper compelling. Like I'm I can't I believe you know like this is amazing watching. It was no. just like oh okay like this is a story. It's got some interesting elements. Yeah. Like and and then okay. Um, and in fact, right. And then to go, it's over. Yeah. And in fact, kind of most of what I found about this movie or like what it's kind of known for is less about the reveal at the end about Soylent Green and more about the fact that the character Sol Roth, played by actor Edward G. Robinson, this was his last movie um, oh. because he was ill with cancer as he was filming this. Um, oh, that's sad. Yeah, so I'm going to start by talking about I him. I take it that's the old guy? Yes, that's the old guy. His character's okay. name is Saul Roth. He was 79 when he was filming this. Um, and Edward G. Robinson's actual name is Emmanuel Goldberg. Um, he moved to the U.S. when he was 10 years old. His family, he was born in Romania. Um, hmm. And he was born in 1893. Um, Whoa, that's old. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's dead now, but like... I know, I know, I mean, I know. <laughs> he's he's a man like who's 130 who's... <laughs> years old. But just like hearing about someone who was born in the 1800s and like in this movie. And they're the still 70s, in the... I don't know that. Just I know, old. I know. Well, that's going to be like us someday that like... Well, and now... I'm not in any movies. No, we're not in any <laughs> movies, but like as we turn into little old ladies... Eventually, whenever somebody like has to interact with us or like help us fill out a form, they're gonna be like, "Okay, and what's and your we birthday?" And we say we're from the nineteen hundreds, and they're gonna be yeah. like, "Oh God." <laughs> That's so it, I mean, it kind of yeah, it kind of is already like that. I heard I've heard many people be like, "Oh, in the late nineteen hundreds is when you were born." I'm like, "What the fuck late, is that?" Late nineteen hundreds, so, my God! <laughs> I couldn't feel any isn't older. That <laughs> It's true. And we were like in the late, but like not even that late. No, because like he's we were he's, born in like the He's 1890s. That's almost 1900. Yeah, we are well, that is, we are 80s. We're like, like we fully are old, in the 1900s. <laughs> like old, yeah. old, old, old. Um yeah. so on and I guess I hadn't quite realized this. I like didn't recognize this guy from anything in particular, but like so when he died, it was quite a big thing because he was quite famous in the 30s and 40s um he made his scene mostly playing different gangster roles across that kind of hmm. two decade window um his first credit however was in 1916 um whoa i know right and the thing that kind of kicked him off into his uh gangster roles that he became quite well known for is he played the title titular Little Caesar in a movie called Little Caesar in 1931. Hmm. Um, and I did when I saw that. I was like, do you think that's why it's called, the pizza is called Little Caesar? I was just going to, I was going to make a Little Caesar's pizza joke. And then I was like, mm. <laughs> I don't even, I don't even know that I ever ate at a Little Caesar's. Like I thought it, I think there it, wasn't really any, it was a chain that wasn't really I don't feel around, like there were any us. around us. Yeah. Yeah. Cause otherwise I'm sure we would have. All I remember is the ads. But we, see, we saw pizza, pizza. Yes. It was like, <laughs> that's that one, right? Yes. Those ads are so annoying. <laughs> and they had the little steak and he would like 
Yeah. Bang the steak on the ground and the pizzas would flip up and land back on the steak. Yes. You've now described all that I know about Little Caesar's pizza. (laughs) (laughs) Same. That's all I know. Um... In terms of some other kind of top-notch things that he's well-known for, he was um, in Double Indemnity. He also shared the screen with Charlton Heston in The Ten Commandments. Um, and in fact... Please don't ever make me watch that. We would never watch that, right? The Ten Commandments? Of course not. Why? Oh, yeah. No. Oh, um, God. Thank you. That's probably a two-hour one, at least. Um, oh, at least. Uh, but, and then he also, um, I guess he and Charlton Heston might have been, like, friends or I don't know what all. Because Buds? he also did the test reel for um, Dr. Zaius in Planet of the Apes. Um, but he hmm. didn't actually end up playing Dr. Zaius. Uh, I don't really, oh. I don't know what the backstory is there. Um huh. He's been in a lot of stuff, but the thing that I enjoyed as a, a movie he, of which he was a part is one that's called A Slight Case of Murder. I and love that. I'm like, ooh, what do you suppose that was all about? Like, um, Just an itty-bitty murder. <laughs> just a slight case. It was a very small just man who got case. killed, so it's just a slight case. It's like no big deal. No one really liked him, so it was just a slight case of murder. Yeah. Um, that's very funny. I like that. Yeah. Um, so then... The, it also sounds... Maybe sounds kind of British. It does weirdly sound British, though. I mean, he's an American guy, so I don't know. But yes, it does. Yeah. Um, no, it just That's seems... from 1938. Yeah, it just seems like one of those... It's a comedy. Oh, well, that, of course, because the title is funny. It just seems like the thing that you would say in a British accent. Like, a slight case of murder. Yeah. A slight... Yeah, exactly. That's funny. Oh, yeah, 1938. Hmm. I might watch that. Oh, yeah. I actually, yeah, some of this stuff I love, is... I love me some old movies like that. Yeah, and, like, it's... They're so much easier. Like, I find an old movie usually goes down so smooth, and you're just like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, just let it An happen. hour, 25 minutes, too. I love it. I know. <laughs> I know. Back then, that was probably, like, so long. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I love it. I needed to be born back then for all the uh, short movies. Yeah, that's the but only... But actually not for all the, the other o- stuff. Yeah, I was, gonna, <laughs> I was gonna say that's the only reason to be born earlier. Um, so I think this is also just kind of interesting. Like, I don't know that I've seen a pair of actors quite like this before in the stuff that we've talked about where they, like, are in a lot of things together because, like, Charlton mm-hmm. Heston is in The Ten Commandments. Of course, he's in Planet of the Apes. Um, and then they're in this movie together. Um, and we don't need to talk about Charlton Heston, who plays Detective I have Thorne. one Charlton Heston question for sure. you, though. Okay. This is, and as I was watching it, I, like, texted mom and asked her this, too. Uh, do, do you, well, I'm going to ask you it a little differently. Do you find him attractive? Oh, man, you asked me or this about think- Clint Eastwood <laughs> the other day. I know, because it's all these... I know because it's all these men from the 70s. I'm trying to figure out if they were supposed to be considered attractive or not because I'm not being able to tell. Like, I'm having oh, trouble sure. telling. Um, I would say by the time he's in this movie, because this is after Planet of the Apes by at least mm-hmm. some amount. I can't now remember when what your Planet of the Apes was, but I know it was the 60s. Mm-hmm. So it's not that a man who is 50 and beyond can't be good looking. 
But just as with all of us, you need to maybe start putting a little bit more time and effort into your Um, but even if you look at pictures of him when he was younger, I'm curious, like I was not getting it like, cause I did, I was like, okay, he's a little bit older. So like, fine. But then I looked at pictures of him when he was younger and I was like, I'm just not seeing it. Like I'm, I'm really just not getting it. Sure. Well, I know that and I think when we talked about Clint Eastwood, I said that I liked his hair. He had really, he had a really good head of hair yes, in the seventies. That's true. And so that was something that I was like, I could see people getting into that because it's like kind of a chiseled jaw, good hair. Um, In terms of Charlton Heston, I have now Googled him and I'm looking at like the main (laughs) photos that come up of him. And I would Mm. say... Yeah, I mean, he's not for me, but I do think he is I guess that's what it is. Yeah. Okay, like, interesting. For me, for me, it's the, the brow bone is too intense. Yeah. Um, he's too, like, he's too, in, like, scary looking. <laughs> he's too intense looking. Like, I guess, and I feel similarly about Clint Eastwood, too. They're both, like, very intense, um, you know, manly men i don't yeah. know there's something yeah. that's just like they're very chiseled in a very like classic way that was very des- portrayed as quite desirable in the era that they were hmm. working um yeah so oh yeah see like i found a picture of him from when he was probably in his 40s and it's a little bit more casual like he's wearing a, like a red polo shirt and I'm like, oh yeah, that's a good looking guy. Um, still, probably not. I know for the me. picture. I see. That's like the best picture of him in these. I can. I know exactly what picture you're looking at. Like that is one of the better pictures. Although he still looks scary to me. Like he's still well, like he has an intensity because he's not smiling in the photo. Yeah. Like um, and he's not smiling in any of these photos except for no. ones when he's like super old. Right. Um, yeah. No. There's something like to me in like the eyebrows and eyes that is like not is like too it is too intense it seems a little shifty <laughs> it seems a little shifty um, i'm not i'm not i'm not i'm not into it that's fair anyway. um that's totally fair but i yeah i would say i can say i can say without question he's an attractive man but i will say as well okay. in the context of this movie um he's not he's like meant to look kind of crappy as well, like well, he's I mean, always and, and, sweating. And in fairness, and he's dirty. so much sweat. Like, I mean, in fairness, like kind of everyone in the movie is looking like that, except for like sure, few, very few yeah. rich people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's because that's but, the premise. Like, it's meant to be like yeah. hot all the time, and so people yeah. kind of just genuinely look gross. Um, yeah, but. Then the final character that we need to know for this movie is a character called Cheryl, played by a 28-year-old Lee Taylor Young. Um, She had an affair um, and then subsequently got married to Ryan O'Neal, who is the father of Tatum Um, O'Neal. And she then went on. I can't remember. I think Ryan O'Neal might have been her second husband, um, but she has had hmm. a total of four husbands over her life. 
And um, I not to shame anybody about this, but I feel like after two, no more husbands. I'm not doing it. Like, it's too much work. Like, Well, yes. I, it's not about shaming. It's more like... Um, how why do you put keep, yourself through that again? Yeah, like how can you <laughs> sort of like how can you think marriage is like this wonderful thing if it just keeps not working for you? Like, um, well, yeah, and then and it is also like it's like the financial burden of it all too, right? Like, so okay, fine, maybe I've learned that marriage isn't right for me, but I I still want to, you know, be in relationship. Sure, yeah, just yeah. like for forego the marriage part of it, right? Like, no, I'm not saying like. Once you once you Give have up. given up with one husband, you simply must become a nun, and like that's it. Like no, no, no. Um, yeah, no. But four seems like you've really tried, yeah, and it's but, clearly not. You really working. have, and and just like and give it and a maybe rest. you also are picking bad people. You right. also might want to examine that. Right, right. That I mean, I that, think Ryan O'Neill's not a great choice. No, from what I know of him, no, he was not a very stable man. Um, so not the <laughs> ideal candidate. Um, now what's interesting about this woman is like, I like didn't recognize her, didn't know who she was. I had no frame of reference for her, but at the time, I think she would have been perceived as pretty well known, um, mm. because she started her career. Her very first credit is as like a major player in the 1970s kind of primetime uh, soap opera drama Peyton Place. So, hmm. and that's where I'm she met. Of it. That's where she met Ryan O'Neill as well. Um, oh, okay, okay. So she was on a season of that. Uh, and so I think, and then she was, then she went from that to like straight into various weird movies. Um, and so I think she would have been fairly recognizable to a 1973 audience in a way that like now mm. I'm just like, I don't know this woman. And I looked through yeah. her credits and I, she's not, very pretty. She's really beautiful. And the only stuff that I, I loved her hair. Well, of course. Cause it was like the perfect kind of straight hair because it like yeah. had some body had body and was mm-hmm. long and was a good color mm-hmm. and was super thick, mm-hmm. like all the things mm-hmm. that you want. Um, all the things. All the things. And then she also, like, so I didn't even recognize most of what she has done, but one of the things I did notice is she was in the movie Jagged Edge, which is from the 80s, and is, like, mm. um, it's one of those ones that, like, it's, I might call it, like, a proto-erotic thriller sort of thing. Like, mm. it, they hadn't mm. quite worked out the formula the way they would by the time the 90s hit. Um, but like they're getting to that sort of with that one. Yeah. Um, so she was Mm -hmm. in that and then she was also on an, on a, I don't, I can't, I can't remember quite how long, but it was like a number of seasons of the soap opera Passions. Do you remember Passions? Oh God, that one. Do I know about it? Yes. I never watched it, but that was the one that was like bonkers bananas. Yes. I think at one point there was was the one that were like witches. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. There was like a magical element in that show. And um, yeah, that one was like real wild. I, and I think I only know that because it like came on 
right before all my children something or else. something. Yeah, So yeah, I yeah, would yeah. like see like snippets of it or guiding light. Some one of those ones yeah. that some old lady that I knew watched. <laughs> And so I would see the beginning or the end of Passions and be like, what is this? What's happening? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I think I'm familiar with Passions because I also didn't actually watch it. But it was like, um, like, what was it? Oh, it would come on at like, I want to say like three in the afternoon when I was in college and like one of my housemates loved mm. to watch it. <laughs> and so oh my god and so that's, that's like what so I knew more or less about it was like and I yeah. remember walking into the room and being like Has, have they opened a portal the somewhere <laughs> and they're like yes. yes it was always so crazy it's <laughs> yes, always so crazy and I think like there was even like they had a little person actor on yes, it too they did. They absolutely and I feel like did. they had him doing some I feel like Crazy they had him doing shit. some questionable stuff yes, on there they absolutely yeah. did so that she was on show the was nuts okay wow <laughs> truly nuts um so she was wow. in that for some amount of seasons and then uh I guess she's she's got it's she is someone who continues to work now and has like two things mm. coming out um so you know, as we always have said on this show, if Good you can, her. if you can be a working actor, then well done. You know, like no matter how, no matter what kind of weird <laughs> shit you're doing or like where you've been, like hey, listen, I th- I can talk my shit about passions. If I had gotten a contract, I'd have been on that show doing witchcraft <laughs> any day. Yeah, and I bet it would have been kind of fucking fun to do. <laughs> like, oh to be like- yeah. Oh my gosh. Like I'm gonna yeah, wear a yeah. weird I'm gonna wear a weird like turban on my head and like mm-hmm. pretend I'm looking I'm at a witch's crystal hat and like <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, I would have oh my god, I would have that would have been so fun. Yeah. And then there are some other actors who I recognize from kind of like around, like some supporting actors that we don't really need to talk about, but like Chuck Connors, Joseph Cotton, Brock Peters, and Paula Kelly all have smaller roles in this movie, and pretty much all of them are recognizable at, from different stuff. Mm. Um, so as for the movie itself, um, the credits begin with, like, I guess, like, photos of human progress might be the way to say it. Mm-hmm. Um, and weirdly, I felt like... do. You, I don't this sounds weird. It kind of reminded me of the opening sequence of Cheers, where they're just like showing old oh, yeah. photos and it's like fading just like in and out. Flashes of yeah. photos. Yeah, like fading in and yeah. out of old tiny photos of like, here we are, like blah blah blah. It was definitely less cheerful. Oh yes, it by was the che- end less cheerful version of it. Yes. But <laughs> by the end it was not like the fun of cheers, which is like, oh, look at how people have been going to bars like since whenever. Yay. Like, um, <laughs> this is like, oh, see how things started out pretty good and then we fucked everything up real bad. Like, exactly. Because, um, like, yep. by the end, what we're seeing is like a lot of photographs of like devastation and pollution and like, um, I don't know, like smokestacks and like old factories and like, <laughs> Bodies of water, full, burning fire full can, of, yeah. I mean trash can. As yes, uh, as, that's how you know. And like late bodies of water, full of <laughs> trash and things. Um, yeah. And then we get you know the opening uh, title card that tells us this is Soylent Green, 
And then we get our only little title card that we're ever going to get in this movie, um, which we've not seen a title card in a while, I got to say. So it was nice to have this back. It's true. Um, the year, 2022. The place, New York City. The population, 40 million. Um, Does that mean 40 million in New York City? Correct. Yes. That's gross. <laughs> literally disgusting <laughs> i actually hold on i want to see what the population is it's eight now. million i think now yeah i think eight it's eight point, to ten million eight point five like million in 2021 according yeah. to google um and that's all five boroughs. which is also which is still gross it's still a yeah lot. exactly it, yeah so that's all five boroughs, it's still way too many 8.5 million so can you imagine like about five times more people <laughs> in <laughs> New York City. No. I mean, it, it is I one would of those literally things. move. Like, it is one of those things. Oh, actually, this is interesting. 2021, it actually went down because in 2020, the population was 8.8 million. And then... that's not, I'm not surprised. People left. People left in yeah. 2020. Yeah, because... Yeah. That well, we know about that. That's was that was all over the world. Various city dwellers moved out to like country spots and things. I'd be curious if they did it again and if they like had a stat for twenty twenty three. Like, have end of people year, started I think coming people back? Have kind yeah. of. I think people have, or other people have come. I think it's yeah. evened out, but I don't, yeah. guess I don't know for sure. And also, like, that is what about four hundred thousand people who have who left. But compared to like yeah. eight million, it's like it's basically still the same. Um, yeah, and it wasn't it wasn't quite the catastrophe that some yeah. particular politicians made it out to be, but yeah. it was it was a thing for sure. And like this is a, like I was talking to mom earlier this week about like if I were to move somewhere, if I needed to, where would I go? And um, I was like, you know, New York, I love to visit, but I also love when the visit's over because it's like so much to handle yeah. most of the time. And that's I get it. With, a, with eight no, I get million it. people, let alone 40. Like, 40 million? Are you fucking kidding me? 40 million and we're talking about like, you know, we'll get to it, but it's like the world is literally burning and every, it's always hot like winter doesn't exist anymore hell to the no well and like, as <laughs> and as you saw like the way they depict this is like there is no place anywhere even in your own home where you can be alone like there are just people everywhere like cuz this title card well, when it I want to go on sorry no, no, no. Go ahead. Say what you're going to say because well, I was going to ask about his apartment yes. specifically. Okay. So because when the title card is showing, what you see behind it is like the facade of his apartment building. And like there's those, they're not even really balconies, but you know how in buildings that have fire escapes, there's like the landing and then the stage, yeah. like. And so there, there were people just crowded on those landings, just standing around, like. Oh yeah, that's right. The, and then, and then now that I'm remembering, oh, like every time somebody would like walk upstairs, I don't know if it was even in public or just everywhere. There yes. was just like bodies, of yes. people laying in stairwells all yes. the time. Yes, that's in his apartment building. And then there was like some other apartment building that he went into that was like that as well. And then as well, at one point they show that like people just sleep in the street you know like 
Um, I mean, that does happen already in New York, but like, sure. It, it, but it's not like literally every free space, <laughs> everyone has a body where someone's sleeping <laughs> yeah. there. Like, God. Oof. And yeah, especially it's so because it's like, it's hot. So it's like, imagine New York City in fucking August all year long. <laughs> 40 million people. No, it would smell like garbage. It oh. would smell so bad. It already does. It smells and like piss for the entire month. Like <laughs> I know, that's what I mean. I mean it just it would smell even worse. Yeah. Um and forever. So, okay, my question about his apartment. Yes. Does he live in a basement? I couldn't like I couldn't <laughs> I figure know. out like what was going on with that apartment. I don't know. Yeah, cuz like so that's the very first opening scene is we see him in this apartment, but I mean, apartment is a grand term, I would say, for yeah. where he is, because it's like very claustrophobically small. Um, I don't know if it's a basement necessarily, although now that I'm thinking of it, I'm not sure we ever see windows in his yeah, I place. Don't, it seems very dark. It is very dark because they have to ride the bicycle to get enough energy right. to, have a, to have one light bulb on. So that's yeah. no good. the thing that I did find funny about this movie. I will say overall, like an overall aesthetic that was funny was that it was supposed to be 2022 and yet it looked so ridiculously 70s. Yes. Like yes. when he, even when he first turns on the TV, like the first thing he does, I'm like, oh, look at that 2022. He has a TV from 1973. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Like they, like, I mean, I guess perhaps what a person might say is like, because especially like they're set in 2022 and the way they talk about various things as the movie progresses, it seems like maybe things really stopped working around like 2010. A long time ago? Like, okay. Um, or maybe even longer ago than that. So like, mm-hmm. I mean, still they did, they could have done maybe a bit harder work to like make some of the technology look like it had I mean, once I get it. It had once been futuristic but now was old. Like you can do yeah. that. Like right. be like this is right. we got to this place and then this is when things started to fail. So now then we don't stopped. have it, it's no good. Right. Or but like there was even the part there was even a part in the well I I'm not just skipping ahead, but like in the rich people's apartment, they had like this weird like curtainy thing that was happening that was like it looked like bubbles, but I think it was just that. Oh 70s, right! Like, yes, weird, I know what like, you're talking plasticky. about. I don't yeah, know. yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was. I think it was but just like, like very specifically 70s. Yes, it was like decoration or something. I don't like. Yeah. To kind of distinguish and delineate, like this is the living room. That's the kitchen. We're not gonna. Yeah, have it's like walls. sort of curtainy, but it wasn't really yeah. a curtain. Yeah, yeah. It, it's not a wall, but it's like a way to show like this is one room and this is another room, like sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. Um. In in his home, though, it is. It is, like, I'm picturing it now in my mind, and I'm like, if I had to live in there, I'd feel very claustrophobic, like, the whole time. Like, Oh, yeah. It was very small and cramped. It had quite a lot of books. Um, when he t- wakes up, he turns on the TV, and we get the first kind of ads for Soylent, red, yellow, and green. Um, we hear that Soylent Green is described as being made from plankton from the ocean and um is only available on Tuesdays so it's like kind of um what's the word I'm looking for phrase it's like kind of creating a false sense of demand when you only release something 
once a week, right? Like, it's like, oh, that okay. makes it special because we can only get it every so often. Um, and Saul, it was never totally clear to me if, like, Saul lived there with him or if Saul had his own apartment somewhere or what. Um, but Saul is there. He's this older guy um, who seems to, to some degree, be, like, some kind of partner of Thorns. Like, he does a lot of the mm-hmm. research for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when they get going on the morning, Saul is catching him up on the various, like, crime guys that Thorne needs to check <laughs> in with um, over the course of that day. Um, he also mentions, like, in this conversation, um, Thorne mentions that, like, 20 million people in the city of 40 million are out of work. So that's a bummer mm-hmm. as well. Um, the other thing that happens here, like, we watch Thorn eat, I think it's margarine, but it's some kind of weird paste on, like, a cracker. Yeah. And he's, like, eating it, and he's like, oh, yeah, this is all right. And Sol is like, you don't even know what food is. That's disgusting. Like, I can't believe that you're sitting there (laughs) eating that thinking this is pretty good. Like, um... And I guess maybe, again, Saul might be our future where we're going to someday be these old people born in the previous century being like, I remember (laughs) what apples used to taste like, you know, and like, um, and whatever you're eating now, kids, is disgusting. Um, We also learn this, and I I didn't look into this, but it was interesting. Um, I have to assume that this might be one of the first mainstream films that ever talked about climate change climate yeah yeah Um, i I was thinking i was thinking also wow they're ahead of the curve with that 50 years ago well that's the whole thing they call it the greenhouse effect um which is right what it used to be called back then um so yeah like these things that's why people are so mad now is like people have known about this for 50 it was already happening like yeah people knew oh wow Um, you know, your your boy Bernie Sanders has been bitching about it. <laughs> People, well, for, <laughs> he's been bitching about so many things. Lad. Yeah, he's been bitching <laughs> about so many things. It's hard to really take any of them seriously because it's like Bernie, can you pick one? Just pick one, please, and then <laughs> we'll do, then we'll do that. Okay, like, um, <laughs> but so needless to say, as we said up top, like because it's supposed to be hot as balls in this land and in this future. Everyone is slightly sticky and shiny and gross looking and dirty because there's no water either, as we will learn. Um, Hell. So he, so Thorne goes off to work and this is when he does hop over people sleeping on the stairway of his building. Meanwhile, and in some other part of town, and I describe this as a parking lot, but I'm not really sure what it is. It's just this big open space where dozens and dozens of cars have parked. And so I guess Mm -hmm. what we're meant to understand there is like some people live in an apartment like Thorn. Other people maybe just live in their cars. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's, that was the vibe I was getting with this. And then there's this like Mm -hmm. shadow man type who, who will repeatedly show up in the movie, 
But as far as I can tell, he never is a a named character, but he's, like, important Mm -hmm. to the story. He's always wearing sunglasses. And... (laughs) He, get, he, like, gets into the car with this younger guy and, like, gives him a package that um, I I guess, I can't remember if they show that it's got a weapon in it or what, um, but in my mm-hmm. handwritten notes, I was like, some kind of crime? Question mark. <laughs> like, I don't, <laughs> like, they seem to be planning something, but I, I was like, I'm not sure what's going on. Unclear as to what. Yeah. <laughs> Um, then we go into the fancy apartment where this also is pretty interesting. So we first see Cheryl playing a video game and the people are fairly certain that this is the first appearance of a video game in movies, Hmm. um, this particular film. Um, and then the guy who lives in this fancy apartment is, um, Simonson, who's played by... Um, Joseph Cotton, and I'm trying to look here. Uh, where does this fall? Oh, this is far from Joseph Cotton's last movie, actually. I thought it would have been toward the end, but in fact, he's got quite a lot more to go after this. Um, hmm. But did you recognize him? Not really. Oh, because he is the police detective in Gaslight. The one who saves Ingrid Bergman. Wait, what is he the wait? He's the one who got killed? Yes. In this one? Yes. The old guy who Oh, maybe I didn't remember him. Is also Joseph Cotton, who is also the love interest from Gaslight. Okay, I maybe didn't I maybe don't remember that. I I, w- I I didn't I don't remember him in this because I rem- I just remember the old guy dying, but I don't think I paid too much attention. I mean, he's only to very he before he died briefly in the movie, so that's fair enough. Um, he yeah. sends Cheryl and Tab, who is his bodyguard, out to buy real food, and so then we also have a bit of a weird cut scene where like they are buying actual food at a place. Um, Mm-hmm. While they're out, he's having a drink, and the man that we saw from the previous scene who received that package that's a weapon, he sneaks in to the fancy house, to the fancy apartment, and it seems as though Simon Simonson expects him to show up, um, because when mm-hmm. he kind of jumps into the house, Simonson is not upset or confused, And then this guy who's come to kill him, the assassin, is like, you're being assassinated because you've, quote, become unreliable. Um, And Simonson is basically like, okay, we'll just, like, get this over with. So then he beats (laughs) Simonson to death with, like, this tool. It was unclear to me, like, what it actually was. Um, But then later... We jump to Thorne coming to this fancy apartment to investigate Simonson's death. Um, While he's questioning Tab and Cheryl about, like, where they were and what they were doing, he's also, like, going through the house and, like, taking food and things from it. 
um, <laughs> which I thought was interesting. He takes like a bottle of booze. He takes various foodstuffs. Um, he takes a bar of soap. Uh, he takes, and we later learn he also takes some like records of the Soylent Corporation. Um, but he's like running around kind of taking all this stuff. And then he speaks to both Tab and Cheryl be about their respective boss. And they're both mm-hmm. kind of like, Cheryl in particular is like, things had started kind of being weird over the last few months. Like, I, I couldn't quite tell what was wrong, but like, he seemed not himself. Um, we also, in the context of these conversations, learn that in this world, this vision of a future... If you are rich and powerful enough to live in this fancy apartment, as Simonson does, the apartment comes with a woman who will have sex with you in it. Okay, I maybe didn't get that. Yeah. I sort of thought that was his wife. Well, I mean, she is and she isn't, right? Like, she goes with the apartment. Okay. So, like... Well, okay, then then <laughs> then that's sort of not. It's like, like a commodity, like a couch. That's a little that's not really a wife. Right. Well, and in I fact, guess, and that's also why I was conf- I didn't I didn't clock that because I think I was also confused when later things seemed to progress. Right. With Thorn. Char- yeah. And her and I was like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa." <laughs> Well, that's the whole thing. So, like, Your husband just died. I didn't get it. I, I guess I didn't understand. Well, that. that's the whole thing. So, first of all, you've already like said something that is a theme in the movie that um, Thorne often refers to her as furniture because she quote unquote oh, comes God, with the apartment. Um, but I also, Yikes. as you'll see in this outline that I wrote, like this is a conversation that happens in science fiction movies often in the sense that like the person doing the writing is like we need to explain something to the audience that if you actually lived in this world mm-hmm. you would know so like how are we gonna do that right like so she's like yes I right. come in the apartment but I'm like he's a police officer in this world if this is a known thing that happens she doesn't need to explain would know who she is like Everyone yeah. would know, like, oh, guys who live in this level who have, like, this amount of money and are this, like, powerful and whatever, they all have this. So why, what is there to ask, Yeah, like, about this circumstance? But she needs to explain who she is for the benefit of the audience so that we can understand right. that she is tied to this apartment right. and then, therefore, is, like, subject to... Um, needing to please whoever the tenant is in the apartment. That, um, I was, uh, let me just tell you, I was going to use a euphemism that is, I, or a, a phrase that I will not be, it's going to go well, but that, I hate that. <laughs> That's how I'll say it. I was going to say like that sucks or that blows, but like that is, I do not like that. No, nor would I, nor I think would anyone, because even... Like, that's the whole thing, right? Is, like, sex work is not anything. What happens? 
Wait, <laughs> sorry. What? I'm just imagining all types of people that, no, nothing. I'm just imagining all types of people that could move into that apartment. Well, and right. She would just be required. Oh, that is horrific. Right. I mean, there there is a, they do try and nod to that a bit. There's like a bit of a, I wouldn't, it's not even developed enough to be considered a B story. But there are, she does go through that trajectory of like, now that, Simonson is dead some new tenant is going to come into that apartment and she is, yeah. has to wait and see if he likes her or not. Who the hell that might be. Um, and and then if he doesn't <laughs> what happens to her right like so. Um, yeah well because and I feel like that's quite different than like any uh, quote unquote regular sex work or correct. like modern yeah. day sex work. Yeah. yeah. Because at least what I know of it, the people, you are in charge of yourself and yeah. you can still choose if and say like, if, uh, yeah. I don't do this. I don't do that. I won't do you. I won't. Right. You know, like, right. You can, you have agency. Yeah. If you're doing I sex hope. work for yourself in whatever capacity that is, then yes, you can do that. It's different. Like, I would say this kind of sex work that she seems to be subject to is a bit like human trafficking, right? Like, yes. When, like, when you're forced into doing sex work that is not at your own choice, then that's different, right? Right. So, um, right. And she's in this world. She's a commodity. Yes. She's not. Yes. Yeah. And so she has to work very hard to make sure that the tenants in what is actually really her apartment, um, that they're happy. I'd be like, excuse me, it's my (laughs) apartment that you bitches all come up into and demand things from me. So she's got that life, which, again, is like one of these things where, like, her apartment, her living conditions seem significantly better, like... She that's true. She she is the only one in this movie who ever looks clean. Um she is the true. only one in the movie who isn't actively sweating all throughout it. True. Um she gets to sleep in a nice bed with like silk sheets. She true. gets to eat real food. Um she gets to have if she wants she can have like a drink like um she has all of that. However, she rarely leaves, she's rarely allowed, yeah, she's rarely allowed to leave the house. When she leaves, she's in the company Mm -hmm. of that bodyguard dude. And she's not even really, as we learn later in the movie, she's not even really meant to leave her apartment, like, or interact with other people. Like, she's meant to just kind of hang around. Um, yeah, that's not great. But in the context of this world, there's not really anywhere to go. Right, right. No, I mean, like anywhere that's like that desirable. No, you wouldn't want to like take a a little prisoner of sorts. Yeah, you wouldn't want to like take a stroll, uh, in this world. Doesn't seem like like it. And there doesn't seem to be any, like all the things that, like about city life that can be good, like go to a museum, go to a show, go no, to No, like, none of that seems that to exist. That doesn't seem to happen anymore. So This is what I'm saying about the joyless thing. Yes. Like, yes. It's really like, like Yeah. It's it's unclear because even even I guess that's interesting. I hadn't quite thought about it until you said it. Like even the fancy people in this movie, 
the life that they live is not that opulent. Like it's not that nice. No. Like it's it's significantly nicer than what everyone else has got. But like yeah. Compared to the way wealthy people or what I imagine wealthy people can do now, like and the difference between that level of wealth and like what whatever like nor- quote unquote normal people get. Oh yeah. You know, like these people oh, are yeah. really not getting to enjoy the fruits of their wealth and success. No. Like, um no. so that's a bummer. Um then we go Sucks to the police station where Thorne is talking to Chief Hatcher. This guy, where what is his name again? The actor Brock Peters. He's also been in quite a variety of things. Um and basically uh Thorne pretty much immediately is like the this is unusual. I think this is some kind of an assassination. Like, this is not just any old murder. There seems to be some reason behind Mm -hmm. this. And he's a bit suspect of the bodyguard, Mm -hmm. particularly. So he then follows the Mm -hmm. bodyguard to his own home. And when he figures out where the bodyguard lives, he waits until the bodyguard, like, goes... Um, like out of the house or whatever. And he comes into his apartment to find a woman named Martha there. Um, she is his, she's the bodyguard's apartment, like the woman who comes with his apartment. Um, oh, see, I didn't get any of this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was just like, all these women in these apartments, I didn't think anything of it. Yeah, so, well, and also there is, clearly like a class element at play as well because like Simonson has way more money so he's in the fancier apartment he's got um Cheryl Mm -hmm. as his woman in the home um the bodyguard certainly has a better apartment than Thorne has it's like actually a real apartment it's got like a living room and a kitchen and a bedroom that are separate and it has windows and stuff but it's definitely um, significantly less fancy than yeah. the oh, it's not, other one. It still looks, to my eyes, quite ramshackle. But it's like, um, mm-hmm. it's still it's bigger. It's still an actual living space. <laughs> so that's something. Yeah. And, and then Martha is the woman who comes with that living space. Um, so anyway, Thorne comes there and asks her some questions. Um... And what he notices is that she, like, before he arrives, she's been eating something out of a jar. And Mm -hmm. she hides the jar before he comes in. But what she forgets to hide (laughs) is the spoon that she's been eating with. Mm. And it looked like what she was eating maybe was, like, strawberry jam or jelly or something. Like, Mm. um, so he sees that. He takes a spoon and he basically is like, how do these people have this food? Like what, they shouldn't mm. have access to this. Um, so he, all, so this confirms to him that this bodyguard is perhaps involved in something nefarious. Um, he then, at the end of the workday, returns home to his apartment and shows Saul all the food he stole from the fancy apartment, <laughs> as well as these like big books that are these Soylent reports, like company reports from 2015 to 19. This as well is one of those things where like, 
in the 70s, people didn't know that there were going to be computers, I guess. Yeah, and of so they're like, mm-hmm. here, here are these reports from 2015 and 19. And I'm like, I'm no like captain of industry. Of course they would be whatever. on computers. Of like, course they would all be digital. I, I'm like, there's no way that you would get these like booklets um at no, this of course it would be digital. Time. Um but nonetheless, yeah. that's what they have. Um and I guess Soul is like, I'll have a look at these later and maybe that will give some information that is relevant to Simonson's death. In the meantime, mm-hmm. Soul takes the food that Thorne has um, stolen, and he starts making a meal out of it. Um, and I will say, like, I mean, I guess this is a whole point of it, right? Is like they, to me, the meal does not look particularly good. Um, like, it's just one kind of crappy steak, and like they each get to have an apple and like a bit of salad or something, and um, <laughs> yeah. But, but Saul is like acting like this is like the best. Thing he's ever eaten um and well, when all you have is like weird little chip green and yellow yeah. blue or whatever it is yeah that sounds decadent yeah I suppose so they also have this bottle of booze and so they're having that um and then once they've finished this meal they start talking more about Simonson and they've looked up his information again Saul has this book that's, like, from 2005 where it's, like, a book of, like, who's who in business or something, um, <laughs> which did – that did used to exist. Like, there, I've actually – Really? Yeah, in the context of, like, my research, I have looked at these old kind of, like – they're almost like encyclopedias for people, kind of, um, oh. where, where the, like – For um, specific, like um, – professions or specific like yeah or like sometimes Mm. they might do one where it's like um every five years we do like um a compilation of like the important people from like science or important people Hmm. from business or prominent Mm -hmm. uh figure social figures or whatever and so like they'll like every five years or whatever it is they'll just add to whatever like they have whoever they had in the first version, then they'll add to that for the next one and keep adding, right? Mm. Um, okay. So they did have things like that, but even by the early 2000s, again, that was, you weren't, that was not being made anymore. Um, yeah. But they find this information, and what they learn about Simonson is that um, one of his very early jobs uh, was to work for a man who is now governor um of new york a guy they keep calling santini um (laughs) and also simonson is a current board member of the soylent corporation so this all seems suggestive to them in the meantime while they're considering their next move sunglasses man has come to the police station and he's basically telling Chief Hatcher, like, you got to put a stop to this investigation. I don't want anybody to really know what happened to Simonson. Um, mm. Then, uh, I mean, some, some of this is like the way this story is told is a bit strange. Like, um, 
not confusing, but I felt like scenes were happening and there was seemingly like no connection to like from mm-hmm. one to the other or like any purpose mm-hmm. as to like why is this scene here so like to me I agree this the sunglasses man thing makes sense like that's because that's part of the the noir crime story that's being built here but then we cut mm-hmm. to um Cheryl's fancy apartment and there's just a bunch of women there um and they're from the other apartments in the building and they're all hanging out and I did write in my handwritten notes I was like this is the lamest party I've ever seen like everyone (laughs) everyone was like very quiet and silent and like just sitting around like having drinks I think one woman was getting like her tarot cards read and I was like well that's fun but like um and another woman was like filing her nails and but I'm like god this looks like a that's definitely not a party yeah this is like very boring um I mean I feel like I feel like filing your nails is like the quintessential like act of being like I am bored yeah I it's couldn't like, I'm so bored I'm gonna file my nails I couldn't care less about this I, I couldn't be bothered yeah um yeah so well, I guess maybe there is a vague reason for this scene. So they have, they're all getting together. Thorne shows up because he wants to talk with Cheryl more about what he's found to try and figure out what's going on. And this is where um, I, I started getting confused. Because, so he's like, okay, do you mind just coming in the other room so I can speak to you privately? And it's like, yeah, sure. And then, like, they go into the bedroom, which didn't seem particularly suggestive to me because I was like, there's not that many rooms in this apartment. Like, if you want privacy, then the bedroom probably is the place to go. But then they're both, like, talking very matter-of-factly about, like, how Simonson probably was assassinated. Cheryl says that, yeah, he was acting kind of strange over the last months of his life. He also had this friend Santini come over a lot. So they're, like, having this very like matter of fact conversation while they're both getting undressed and I was like yeah what is this like um yeah and then he like just gets he also just gets in bed with her like as if he's laying down to go to sleep at night right sort of yeah and then yeah very familiar it's extreme (laughs) it, it was very I I keep just wanting to say the phrase matter of fact like it was like yeah. We are undressing now. It's It was like the vibe that it had was like when you've been with your partner a really long time and you're like, on Wednesday nights, we have sex. So I'm taking my clothes off. And <laughs> while we're doing it, we're talking about like things like, hey, did you like lock the garage today? And like, oh, did you remember to right. like take out the trash or <laughs> whatever thing you're doing? Yeah. So you're like having these this conversation that is like, the least sexy conversation ever while you're simultaneously getting yeah. undressed and then you like pop into bed and then it's like, okay, now we're going to start having sex. Like, um, and yeah, ick. well, the thing is, is like, I can appreciate that in the context of a longstanding partnership, that's a thing that happens <laughs> and, and how, and how people do right. their sex life in their, in their relationships is their business. Like I'm not the, be sexier, please, police. Like, um, but in the case, 
in the case of this couple, I'm like, this is the first time they had sex. So like, what is this? Like, it's weird. It was, and he's a cop. I mean, and I wasn't understanding that she went along with the apartment, so I was really confused. Like, I was like, wait. This is seems wildly unprofessional, too. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And also, like, I mean, I guess if you really want to have it be, like, super bleak, you're like, Cheryl basically feels, I guess, that um, there's, no per- there's no person she could say, I don't want to have sex with you, too. Like... Right. Like, if someone is interested, then she's meant to comply or something. Um, right. Which is awful. But then they try and concoct some sort of a love story out of this because um, right. while they've been in the bedroom having sex, the building manager has come into the main, like, living room to find all of these women from other apartments in there and apparently... That's mm-hmm. prohibited. That's against the rules. So mm-hmm. he starts like hitting them, like, and abusing them. And um, I mean, it was interesting too. This movie has some very casual, like, hitting of women in a way that I was like, mm. I. I'm not prepared to see this in any context, but I I would have imagined that in the 70s this might have seemed particularly surprising, like I guess. So. Yeah. Like I yeah. don't know, but um because it wasn't this sounds bad, but like it wasn't the kind of violence that you did you do see and you did see quite casually doled out to women where like if a woman was being hysterical maybe you'd shake her really hard or you'd slap her across the face like that was something (laughs) that would be shown Mm -hmm. quite often but this was like men like literally like balling up their fists and like punching women in the stomach like and stuff and I was like yeah whoa I was not prepared for this like not good no and and different from like in the context of quite a lot of action movies now where it is men and women fighting each other and it's like whatever, it's not perceived as like, quote unquote, hitting a woman, you know, like, um, yeah. this was like, no, that's like, this is being played as abuse. That's straight up like, hitting someone. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. that was yeah quite concerning. Um, but in this, when he starts doing that, like, of course, the women start shouting and crying, so Thorne comes out, and he's basically like, you need to get out of here, sir, Like, and I can make trouble for you if you <laughs> continue to do this, so just get out and like leave the women alone. Um, the women do, however, return to their respective apartments, and when they've all left, Cheryl wants Thorne to stay, and he's... He's not convinced that that's a good idea, but she manages to entice him to stay by offering a shower um, because that, too, is difficult to accomplish in this future for many people. Um, and this is, like, I think as well, going back to what you were saying about, the, like, the, the aesthetic and decor. So then they're in this shower, and do you remember it was, like, a glass 
cylinder almost that they were in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. like, I guess, I guess the water was coming from overhead. I can't quite remember, but like, so we get this shot where we see their faces kind of coming up out of the glass cylinder thingy that encases them in this shower. And they're like weirdly laughing together. And I'm like, I didn't, I didn't like it. I found it very weird in a number of ways, but I, I think what we were meant to, as the audience, it was meant to like counterbalance that weird sex that we had just seen where yeah it was it was was supposed to be like no this is a relationship they like each other they're having fun yeah whatever um they're having fun i mean the thing is is like i have showered with people and it can be fun but you know what i've not done in the context (laughs) of that actively laughed like a psychopath (laughs) Like where the t- where the two of us are just like ha, 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 ha. like isn't this such a delightful time? Oh my god! Like um, I would actually say here's my here's a bit of see you next week in space sex advice. Um, you probably Yikes. I mean I don't I I do this like very carefully because I normally wouldn't feel confident about giving anybody sex advice, but this I can feel pretty confident about. (laughs) I think that you probably want to just tell yourself in a sexual situation, laughter is not appropriate. (laughs) Just get that right out of there. Um, It's something has gone horribly wrong. If you are laughing a whole bunch while this is happening, I think. Um, so that's probably true. I I just like there's always like an exception to the rule, but I would just encourage. But I don't. But I don't feel like that. I don't feel like that shower was sexual though. I think that's what they were trying to show us was like this. Well, what is what's not believable about that shower to me is that. they were showing that like people who had again been in a relationship and were like doing a weird like playful like in the shower laughing moment it wasn't like if they had showed them (laughs) pardon me but if they had showed them like like having aggressive sex in the shower I think that would have been more believable for their particular circumstation in their (laughs) yeah yes that's fair um now, I thought that they were going to have this shower and then he was going to stay the night, but I don't think that is what's happened because next we see that Thorne no. is off going to some local church because Cheryl mentions that in the final months of his life, Simonson took her to church a few times, and um, that's kind of just unusual behavior because the priest even says when he gets to the church, the priest even says, rich people don't come here anymore. Um, Mm. so it was quite unusual that this guy was there. Um, and Thorne is actually like berating this priest to be like, tell me what he said to you. Tell me why he was coming here. And the priest is like, I can't, I can't. And I think looking back on it, I think it was like, he wasn't saying he can't because he doesn't want to break the confessional seal. He was saying he can't because he couldn't, like, 
he couldn't accept the truth that he had learned. Oh, that's okay. what I yeah think. probably because like the way the way the actor who played mm. this priest was playing it, he looked like he was a broken mm. man. He was acting kind of like weirdly crazy. Yeah. And like so, he, yeah, you're right. So I'm like, I think what he was saying is like, I, I, I can't, I can't say this out loud. Right. Like I have, I can't accept that this yeah. has happened. Like I can't talk about this. Yeah. So, yeah. So Thorne circles back to the police station where then he's told by Hatcher, his boss, you need to drop this case because of course Hatcher's been told by the sunglasses man to get him to drop the case. Um, but Thorne refuses. So then as punishment for that, uh, Hatcher puts him on riot control. Um, meanwhile, (laughs) in what is called a tree sanctuary in this movie, um, which also was interesting because I caught that it was like supposed to be like the formerly Gramercy Park. And... Now hmm. they've got this like weird like tent over like one tree that's left in Manhattan from like the trees that had been in <laughs> Grand Mercy Park. And uh Governor Santini is there and Sunglasses Man is there. And he basically is like, This Thorn character is gonna be a problem for us, but I, I think I've got a solution. The and a time in this movie where moves strangely. I'm not really sure what's going on because yeah. then we've gotten to Tuesday, AKA Soylent Green Day. And we are in the like open air market where all the Soylents are sold, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. And this is where you saw, yeah, those like weird breads, like the Soylent bread loaf and um like chunks of Soylent and like all this stuff um yeah but Soylent green is the most popular item and so everyone's lining up for their Soylent green and that's why Thorne got put on riot duty is because the police are monitoring because it's gonna be a riot (laughs) yeah um yeah meanwhile while he's while Thorne is like kind of taking it in the crowd the man who originally killed Simonson, so the assassin person, is watching mm-hmm. Thorn. Meanwhile, and I guess what we're meant to understand is that this has all been orchestrated to basically take that Thorn out of commission because all of a sudden this woman mm-hmm. comes out and she's like, they're not even giving me like the full amount of Soylent Green I'm supposed to have. Um, and she starts shouting, and then that gets everyone riled up. And then there's, like, this kind of rumor going around, or like someone says something like, oh, the trucks didn't bring enough this time, so people are going to start freaking out, which they do. Um, yeah. And then I will say this. I read, when I was reading, like, some of the critical reviews of this movie, this scene apparently, like, does have an element of comedic value that I don't that think people like the the truck scooping up the yes, people. Yes, <laughs> yes, and I mean, admittedly, it did look kind of funny. Like 
Um, because, oh, yeah. Because, like, these police trucks have, like, the big backhoe, like, thing on the front. And they're just, like, <laughs> scooping up people and, like, tossing them into the back of the truck. And, and they I show mean, this, guy, That like, one for, guy gets straight up squashed. Well, right. But, like, and when they're showing, like, they actually show the footage of different groups of people being scooped into the, tru- into the trucks for a longer time than you would expect. Like, I was like, yeah. <laughs> I, I get it. They get scooped by the trucks. How much, how many more times do I need to see this? Before, right. before it's, like, sunk in that that's what's happening. But they show it for, like, a surprisingly right. long time. And in this confusion of people being scooped and blah, 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 the assassin man shoots at Thorn a couple times in the crowd, um, which is stupid, like, whatever. Um, and I think... Really stupid. I think he even ends up, like, killing, like, an innocent bystander or something. Um... And but he's the one who also then eventually does get smushed under like the scooper <laughs> truck machine. Oh, thing. that's him. Oh, that's him. I forgot. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So he gets killed in his attempt to kill Thorn. Um idiot. Yeah. Then like there's some various like cutscenes where like, we're getting slightly more information, but they don't actually seem like they're necessary to the story because really what the story tells us is that um, Saul has continued to look at these um, record books from the Soylent Corporation, and then he decides he needs to take mm-hmm. them to, um, what does he call them? Like, some kind of, I think they're called, like, the Exchange, this group of people. And mm. they're housed in the old, now defunct library, um, <clears throat> which mm-hmm. again is like going into this joylessness. Like, why can't the library still be open? Like, I know we can't even have a library. I don't. Libraries I'm, aren't even that fun, but it's like, why can't we have them? Yeah, like I'm like, do books not exist anymore? Like. No, because we've seen books in a lot of different apartments in this movie. So, like, books exist. Right. And, like, also libraries are one of the first things, like, human beings figured out how to do. Does anybody have a job anymore? Well, that's the thing. It's like, like, all these people are supposedly out of work. And I'm like, if 20 million people, per what Thorne says at the start, if 20 million people are out of work, surely a handful could run this library, right? Like, Right. um, That's... And run a couple of restaurants too, maybe. Right. Or any, I mean, they do, <laughs> they do keep saying this thing of or like. coffee shops. I don't know. Right. I mean, like, even if at every restaurant, all they served was Soylent Red and Yellow, like you could at right. least get together and right. like chat with people or something. I don't know. Because there'll I mean, be a social situation. They also do yeah. say at various junctures, like, I think the world that we're in in this movie is like everything had been kind of functioning as normal into the early 2000s. And then like the ability to maintain... It was like a catastrophic... Like the ability to maintain mm. things working starts to become much more difficult. Um, so like, yeah, like even... God, I think it's that terrible building manager man. Like, even him, he's talking about their building, and he's like, no, like, he's. I think he was talking about the elevator or something. He's like, it's really hard when it breaks because, like, now 
we can't even find anyone to fix it. And I'm like, well, yeah, they, if, nobody has jobs. But yeah, it's like, but if no one's got it, this could be a job. This could be a thing. Someone could like start right, doing. Right. Well, that's the um, thing. So I'm not really sure. Something, I guess, is missing in the world creation to explain. Because like, that's the whole, yeah. that's the whole thing is like, if you've got all of these millions of people, okay, you don't have yeah. certain technology. Put them to work. <laughs> if, you, if you don't have certain technology, you don't have certain technology. But if you've got so many people, their time and effort could make up for whatever technology right. you don't have. Like, or, for, right. or for example, like, oh, have we got like an energy crisis? Why don't we take all these people who are like sleeping all over the city streets? Why don't we have them riding bikes to generate energy like or, and you do like a bike riding session and then yeah like every and then the whole city has energy because 20 million people are going through shifts of riding bikes to provide you know like I don't or is it like the re, or or does it have to do with the reveal at the end where they want to keep people from being successful almost yeah maybe that's it maybe that's it um i don't know i don't know i mean i guess it could maybe this world is a bit like the world from in time where it's like the few get to have these privileges and for that to happen and we don't care about anyone else everyone else really has to be like totally living the shittiest existence suffer of ever um, yeah, but yeah. nonetheless, Saul goes into this defunct library, <laughs> finds this group of old people. That also was weird. I, like I was like, why is this? There's there's something going on as well. Like I just don't understand enough about the world, and maybe this is why this movie is only an hour and a half. And if it were made now, it would be two and a half <laughs> hours. Like there would be a lot more explanations yeah, of what's going on. They'd have to on. build it out. Yeah. Um, but it's like all these old people are the, the ones who are working at the library still. And he mm-hmm. shows them these reports, I guess because he's he has already figured out what Soylent Green is. But he wants... Oh, he has? I think so. I think so. Okay. That, so he f- has figured it out and he takes this information to the elders at the library and they mm. basically confirm it. They tell him that um, same as what he was told when he was killed is like he was eliminated because he was becoming unreliable. And by that, it means that we're feeling like he might reveal what Soylent Green mm. is. Um, mm. So the basically like Saul has figured it out. He go- goes and checks with this older group of people and they confirm his suspicions and then they're like well you need to find in proof of this so that we can like raise this issue further up the chain um Mm -hmm. Saul's reaction to this is basically the same as the priest's reaction which is I figured this out and this is I can't live with it it's too terrible to imagine so I'm done and in his case, being done means that he's left a note for Thorne in Thorne's apartment saying he's, quote-unquote, going home. And Yikes. Yes. And then he ends up in 
this, I guess I'll call it a hospital, though I'm not sure, yeah. based on what happens, I'm not sure that it is a hospital. Um, End of life center area place. <laughs> yeah. End of life building. Um, yeah. So he checks in to the end of life building and he gets kind of like the, these attendants come and they undress him and they set him on this like bed, like raised bed dais thing. And mm-hmm. he chooses um, some songs. So basically he has like kind of a send off moment where he's lying on this bed. He's watching um, like a reel of different images from nature and listening mm-hmm. to a song um and the song is like a combination of um Tchaikovsky's Symphony Number no. 6 um Beethoven's also Symphony Number no. 6 um and Peer Gynt uh by uh Grieg so they were all, they're all, like, I recognized a lot of them. Um, because, mm-hmm. like, Pierre Gint especially is that one that's like, na 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 It's that one. Um, so he's, so that's happening, like, the sound is washing over him, the video is playing... And what I gathered from the critical response, this particular scene was considered kind of like the best scene in the mo- in the movie. Hmm. Um, and maybe that's because um, the actor Edward G. Robinson, like he's dying, does so well. Well, he's he yeah. was dying in real life while he was acting. Oh. This man oh, having God, his last him. moments. So I, I wonder if that's why mm. people think of this scene as, like, quite impactful. Um, yeah. Thorne then shows up, and he's really angry, and he demands to speak with Saul. But they're like, no, once the program is in process, like, you're not allowed to speak to them. But he manages, because he's a police mm-hmm. officer, to be like, no, let me speak to him. So... This also, I guess, is interesting. So, like, Saul is in his special room having this presentation, and then Thorne is outside of it, and, like, a like a wall kind of pulls back, and then he can see into Saul's chamber through a window. And there's also quite a... He also starts watching the scenery that Saul has been watching. Yeah. And he, he is equally impressed... And moved by the scenery. And I think he even says something like, it's so beautiful, I had no idea. And I think what we're supposed to infer from that is like, by the time Thorne was born, nature was all fucked up. Like, so he had no idea that at one time the world looked the way this like collage photo images are. They also have a moment to say how much they love each other through, like, a speaker system. And then Saul, again, tries to tell Thorne about Soylent Green. And he's like, you need to get proof. You have to get proof about this. So once Saul finally dies, um, 
his body is like carried through this hole in the wall to like a, a disposal point, which Thorn follows. Mm-hmm. And then Thorn actually jumps into all the trucks. So at the, what did we call it? The death request place? The um, end. <laughs> I like death request place. The end of life building, I yes. think we, end we settled of, on. So like the end of life building, on the back side of the end of life building is all the trucks that are collecting the bodies of the people who have chosen to end their lives. And so Thorn jumps into one of the trucks, which is taken to a factory the factories have been identified as waste disposal centers. And when Thorne starts walking around, he notices that um, the bodies coming from the end of life building are being put into this. We- First, he <laughs> sees them go into like a weird vat. They get dumped into a weird vat. Um and there's a couple other shots where we see like bodies in body bags like being moved around on conveyor belts. And then he gets to a different part of the factory and he finds the weird like soylent green tiles or whatever on a different mm-hmm. conveyor belt. So then technically he's now gotten the proof that he needs. But as the viewer, you're still like, I don't, I don't know that I get what's happening in this factory. Yeah. Um, he gets caught, however, in his snooping. And then we get a bit of a chase scene and some shootout situations. Um, and he ends up fleeing to the church, uh, where he's been a number of times before. Um, the bodyguard, who I guess we have to assume has been being paid by the Soylent Corporation to terminate Thorn, they have like a dust up in which finally, eventually, Thorn stabs the bodyguard and kills him. The police then catch up. Mm-hmm. Chief Hatcher is there. Thorn is badly hurt. He's being carried out on a stretcher. And what is he shouting? <laughs> he's like Zoylent Green is people Zoylent Green is made out of people yeah. you must tell them or yes. something like that yes well that's done that's like the big moment and the big re- oh thank you I didn't know you were such a good Charlton Heston impressionist <laughs> <laughs> thank you well you or know. impersonator um, <laughs> do you want okay here's my reveal of how I knew this reveal and I was literally waiting for it the entire movie yes Go so, for it. Do you okay? Well, now, how? But you said before that you said that you knew my the reveal of my reveals. Right. So should you say it first, and I can confirm? So or all I'm going to say is I feel that you knew this from Drop Dead Gorgeous. <laughs> Boom! Correct. <laughs> I knew it. Um, so mark it is... down. So mark it down. It was 6.55 when I said, <laughs> mark down how Sarah's going to be right. And now we're at 142.29 when Sarah is right. So just, you're welcome, I thought you would know everyone. it. I figured. <laughs> Way to go. So for any, for context for anybody else that cares, the movie Drop Dead Gorgeous is about a pageant. And there is one person in the pageant who's sort of like artsy fartsy. And she's like this actress girl. 
and she does a little monologue and the part that they show is her saying, Soylent Green is people. Yeah. And I never got it. Never <laughs> knew never got like it. what out of context, like what that was. Um, but as soon as I mean, I knew that Soylent Green existed maybe as a movie. Yeah. And then definitely once I was watching it, I was like, oh, that's what it's coming. This is coming. Yeah. <laughs> so I was waiting for it. Yeah, yeah. I like same here that's certainly I have to assume that's the first time I ever ran across this movie as a concept or a thing that existed um (laughs) although I think for a long time as a result of the way Drop Dead Gorgeous depicted that character and stuff I think for a long time I thought it was some kind of weird play um yeah I I yes I agree I think I probably thought that too um, um and I think you could do this as a play quite easily. Like this, there's not. Yeah, probably. There's not a lot of sets. Like I think you could certainly do it as a play. Um, and certainly like the kind of melodrama of it all lends itself to a yes. play. Um, well, like for example, like that la- the last shot, first of all, the last shot they do, he's being rolled out and his hand is like up in the air yes. in like a, uh, I don't know how, what you'd call it, like a desperate hand yes position yes yes like <laughs> clawing like at the air running down yes it. yeah yeah and and it's just like a freeze frame on that and it is very melodramatic <laughs> yeah well it's a freeze frame on his hand that is covered in quote-unquote blood but really is quite obviously red paint um right and then yes it like kind of closes it up on his hand does a weird sort of like crop shot where it's like Here's this photo of somebody's hand, it, and then just black around it, and then it goes directly back into the footage that Soul was being showed at the end of his life of like the flowers yeah. and the fields and the like <laughs> babbling brooks and this the mu- the classical mm-hmm. music, and I just when I when it ended I was like, I guess I knew this was how it was going to end. But yeah, I still wasn't expecting this all the same. <laughs> like, um, somehow this somehow they surprised sure, me. I, yeah, I mean, I wasn't quite sure how we were gonna get there. Right. But right. I was waiting for it the whole time. Yeah, yeah, and it did take a while to get there, and that's the whole thing as well. Like it did. Um, the factory scene, where which is supposed to be this like revelatory moment, I was like. I don't know from that scene that I necessarily could have worked out that for I would myself. Have gotten that. Yeah, like yeah, uh, oh my god, thank goodness. I cuz I was thinking the same thing cuz it was that as he's going through it sort of like step by step he goes and he sees like this step and then they show him like see like figuring out like the next step of, you know, how in a factory it's like the shit goes here right, and then it right. goes and goes here on the next conveyor belt and but then yeah, the next when he, one. Yeah. When he got to, I felt like there was a, a step that was skipped somewhere <laughs> when he, like, got to the Soylent Green. I was like, wait a second. He just saw, like, bodies going into, like, some goo or some water. And then the next thing he saw was Soylent Green. I'm not sure I would deduce exactly that. No, you got to have at least one shot of, like, some kind of a masher or a slicer. Yeah, or something. 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 And particularly because... The way they show this is like 
all the bodies in the factory are in a body bag. So I'm like, is yeah, is and Soylent, then what? All of a sudden, they're like, <laughs> yeah. So is Soylent Green both the people and the body bags turned into and their clothing and everything, yes. whatever's on them and stuff? Yes, that that is that is a disgusting. It's not great. Um, and and I'm now we've talked about cannibalism recently. We talked about cannibalism. <laughs> we talked about it last week, I think, oh or something. Yeah, I think last week we talked yeah. about it. So I was about to ask you a question about cannibalism, and then I was like, mm, we already talked about this. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I didn't. Sometimes I don't expect quite as much synergy between episodes as sometimes <laughs> happens. Um, okay. So yawns and eye rolls. Yawns. Um, uh, a one yawn is this was magical. I loved every second. And whoa, ten yawns is like this was not magical. I did not like even one moment of this. What would you give it? Hmm. I think uh, I think I might fall in like the three to four range. Well, that's pretty good. Um. Yeah, I was I was engaged and I was waiting for the final moment. <laughs> That's what kept and you engaged. You're like, long. how is this gonna be revealed? Kind of. Yeah. I was like, how are we getting there? Yeah. Um Yeah, and it wasn't too long. So yeah, I would say three to four. Okay. Yeah, I think I'm comfortable with a three as well because yeah, this kept my attention pretty well, but um there was definitely some writing stuff and some choices where I was like I don't know why I'm watching this scene like maybe maybe That's just fair. get yeah. rid of it like I don't know that it needs that to be here um in mm-hmm. terms of eye rolls one eye roll is this world was built to perfection I understand everything and <laughs> 10 eye rolls is like this world is so nuts that I, I understand nothing. Hmm. That's tough because we did point out some holes in the workings of this world that were yeah. not explained. However, in 2023, I'm scared that we're not so far off. <laughs> like, there are things, I mean, obviously this is like a very drastic version of it, but it is not all crazy the world getting hotter you right. know the rich getting sort of richer the poor getting poorer uh, mass population like all that stuff isn't so crazy there again there are definitely holes mm, maybe i'll say like five right mm. in the middle mm. yeah yeah i, I think, don't know i think i'll say five as well because um i think i often use a five in this category for when i'm like there's nothing really new here, like, conceptually. Like, you're not really treading any new ground. Even, like, sometimes even just, like, you might give somebody a little bit more credit because, like, visually they've done something a bit more interesting. And this doesn't do that either. Right. Um, And, yeah, Yeah. like, the world is interesting and the premise is Mm -hmm. interesting. I guess I would just... Some of the stuff needs either needs to be cut entirely, sussing out, or fleshed uh, yeah. out more. Like, mm, yeah. just some of the world building didn't quite work the way I would have liked. 
Um, so yeah. then finally, did you like this? Would you recommend this? And what have you learned as a result of doing 150 <laughs> podcasts about <laughs> these different um, things? Hmm. Okay. Okay. Did I like this? Uh, it was fine. I don't think it was like, it's not like fun to watch. Sure. Not going to lie. It's not like that enjoyable. Um, would I recommend it? As maybe some type of cultural touchstone, I suppose. But then again, I'm not positive anymore if that is that. Or right. <laughs> I thought it right, was that. Right. Um, so, yeah, sure. <laughs> it's not like a rousing, like, but it's not the worst thing I've seen. And what, I, what I've learned in doing 150 episodes and watching 150 pieces of shit. Oh, God. <laughs> is that... <laughs> is that I stand by the original, my original belief that sci-fi is not my genre. Are there, <laughs> are there like drips and drops of ones that hit for me? Yes. I can't think of any off the top of my head. Yeah. But I know there are ones that I've liked and I've enjoyed. Yes. Um. But overall, I think what I've learned is I was correct in my first <laughs> assertion <Assessment>. that <laughs> assessment that uh, sci-fi is crap. Mm, okay, <laughs> strong words coming from Amy. Um, <laughs> did I like this movie? I guess yes. It, it was, as you say, it was fine. Um, and I guess for my own personal feelings is like, I liked having the, the reveal to myself of like, you learned about this thing in the context of another teen movie thing that you watched long ago. And now you finally get that. Now you can finally appreciate that joke. And that's nice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So there's that. Years later. That movie is from like 1999. So 24 years later, we're like, I get the joke. Literal <laughs> decades had to pass. And now I finally get the joke. Um, so that's, I mean, and I, I'm legitimate in saying that. Like there's something kind of satisfying, I suppose, in like completing that sure. circuit. And so I like it for that Yeah, reason. I agree. Um. Uh, in terms of would I recommend it, I agree with you. I thought it was more of a classic. I thought it was more of a thing than I think it actually turned out to be. Um, mm -hmm. so, so I don't know that I would recommend it, actually. Um, okay, that's good. Yeah. I think that there are some fun elements to it, um, particularly... Mm -hmm. The, that it's set in 2022, that's always a bit fun when you're like, oh, man, yeah. like, this is how far people thought the future was mm -hmm. going to go. Like, somebody couldn't think of any year beyond yeah. this. Like, um, Yeah. So that's fun. And, yeah, there's just some, there's some stuff there that's kind of an interesting. I would say what is kind of cool about it is its seeming prescience about the the problems that we are experiencing now, as you said, like, Climate change, yeah. climate change in particular, as being like the as, mm. an essential component to understanding the world that they, is portrayed in this movie. Um, mm -hmm. 
so that's interesting. And for that reason, there might be some way to watch this, like just to kind of have a, have a look at it without... Through that lens. Yeah, without really yeah. like investing much more than just like, I'm going to have a little kind of check in on some scenes and, and that's all I'm going to do. <laughs> um, in terms yeah. of what I have learned over 150 episodes, I mean what we should both say is like, we've learned a lot about how to do like physical things like record podcasts and like get them on the internet well, that's true. and like that sort of thing. Um, in terms of uh, what I might've learned about science fiction or myself. Um, yeah. So unsurprisingly, my takeaway is probably the same as yours, which I feel like reaffirmed <laughs> in my appreciation of this genre because I mean there we've definitely watched some stinkers and I'm happy to agree with that like <laughs> not, I have not enjoyed every single thing that we've watched um but I have liked most of them at, at the end of the day yeah and I have also I think appreciated this sounds like I don't like it, but I do like kind of quote unquote being forced to watch things that I might not choose on my own if it were just up to me to choose. <laughs> um, uh-huh. and, yeah. and I say that being meaning like, and I'll put it in terms of like how you like horror movies, right? Like surely you don't like every single horror movie and there are, Type, right. There are genres, there are subgenres that you prefer more than others. And so if you were yes. just left to your own devices, you would pretty much stick in that category of stuff. Yeah. And that's the same for me yeah. with science fiction. It's like, I have the stuff that I know I like more, you know? And mm-hmm. if I were just sitting around watching movies for myself, I would probably just stick with that. Gravitate to that one. Um, yeah. And, and if I had, then I would have missed out on some really things that really surprised me that I liked, <laughs> like the wasp woman. <laughs> and like, um, I mean, that's a class that I will never get over how much I liked that. That movie. one was good. Um, yeah, but that like, one was good. Wasp woman. Um, I'm trying to, I want to look back to some of the older stuff that we've done um, that I kind of turned out to really like. Uh, oh, like that one episode of Hey Dude. That one episode of Hey Dude. Um, <laughs> Robo Robo Vampire. Um, oh my gosh! Yeah, like there's all this kinds of crazy shit um, that I legitimately I can say without a doubt, like categorically, I would have never chosen it on my own. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so that has been fun because then you're like, oh, actually, there is hmm. some fun and funny shit. And I would say, I suppose, especially the stuff that I've enjoyed is like that older weird stuff where I'm like, mm-hmm. I, yeah. I never knew this was here. <laughs> and this is kind of funny. Yeah, yeah, funny. yeah. Um, so uh-huh. this concludes our 150th <laughs> podcast. Which the podcast, I guess, is now turning three years old or whatever. But we have not aged a day, of course. Um, no, of course not. The 
the we're still 25 the podcasts are evergreen our previously recorded ones what listen to whatever you like from the past um we also know of course the past (laughs) three years have not even remotely um like nothing big has happened in the past three years and no it's been um, pretty boring in the world at large everything has been just smooth sailing and uh, blue skies mm. and green pastures, mm-hmm. and so we just only wish you all that same wonderful stuff going forward. Um, <laughs> I can, I'm looking forward to hopefully now another. Um, let's hope the next three years go slightly better than the last. Um, Holy shit! <laughs> yeah, and I just said slightly better. That's all. We Even slightly for. is, you know. It would be a the, major improvement. Mm-hmm. Major improvement. Well, yeah. uh, excellent. I am Sarah, and I'm here with Amy, and we will see you next week. In space. Ooh. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of See You Next Week in space. This is a production by Amy and Sarah Walsh with artwork provided by Riley Brown. If you'd like to learn more about our show, please check us out at seeyounextweekinspace.com or follow us on Instagram at seeyounextweekinspace. Until the next one.